Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week, it's episode 17 of season three. We're going to have a chat around Azure Load Testing, a managed cloud service which streamlines your load testing processes. Hey, Alan, how's your week been? Hey, Sam, it's not been too bad. Uh busy as always. Um, how about you? Yeah, no, good. I'm very um, excited to talk about load testing in Azure. It's um, something that I've um, had the pleasure of having to orchestrate in the past. So <laughs> um, this this tool should help a lot of people out in that regard. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I guess um, let's, let's crack on then. So what what is load testing? You know, why why do companies need to perform it? Okay, so I think let's 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 talk about the development process. Um, let's 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 imagine that we're a fictitious company that has a SaaS platform that we develop, and it may it may be that our platform has uh, it might have a high it might have a, you know loads of users, which is a great thing for the company, um, and we also. You know, we might have spikes in traffic, um, you know, with time. So it might be certain times of the year um, where we get higher. You know, we might be an e-commerce website. So Christmas or Black Friday is, you know, really, really impactful um, to the amount of n- the number of users that are interacting with our service. And the struggle with those types of, um, you know, uh, sort of more consistent load is kind of easier to understand. Um but what we what we need to understand there's two things that we need to understand is how our application reacts in those situations. So let's say we go live with our Black Friday deal, and you know it's a really big success, and you know ten thousand people hit your website like in one go. Um, your website might be driven by APIs, and those APIs might then start to struggle. We've obviously got Azure and the cloud to help us with resource, so. Instead of a more traditional approach where we would maybe, you know, uh, deploy our own web server and we'd size it, you know, to what we think it could handle uh, for our most spiky days, you know, we we could potentially ramp up our resources a couple of days ahead of, you know, uh, like a Black Friday deal going live. And then we know that we've got more, you know, vertical resource, you know, we've got more processing power, we've got more, more, more memory, we've got better networking um, and, and things like that. Um, it's not just on the web server side as well. You have, you know, loads of other connected systems, caching servers, caching layers, um, you know, database servers, other APIs you might pull from. Maybe there's third-party APIs that you integrate with. You know, all of those things might, you know, um, might get, you know, overworked and overstressed and then cause, you know, a degradation in your application's performance. So load testing is you know the simple part of it is effectively pretending to throw loads of users over a certain time period um, at your app at your application a typical load testing platform would allow you to record your steps like a test plan so like uh, you know go to this page um, log in then go and access pages x y and z um, with some example user data in there um and once that test is performed, you would analyze the results of that. 
you know, uh, traditionally that might be a um, an actual application that you run on one of your developers' machines, and you would run that uh, maybe even locally. Um, and in the past, you might have also been able to get away with if you if you had a, a web server, um, you may be able to run it directly on that web server as well, or you know, bring up another server to to run it against. Um, and that that is okay, and that that's still possible to do. Um, Azure load testing wraps around Apache JMeter. So JMeter, you can run, you know, you can install it on any machine that supports Java. I think it's version eight, and you can record your test plan and you can run it against a system. Um, so that 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 is exactly what you're trying to do. You're in that scenario. You're trying to work out what how your application is going to react to, you know, the the infrastructure that it's on, but also the code that you've written as well, which is usually more more of the challenge. You know, as you know, uh, user profiles increase, um, the complexity of the app gets big, you know, uh, large, well, more complex. You can start to have weird programming performance edge cases that you don't see until you see really high um, usage. It's like memory leaks, you know, um, memory, um, uh, the garbage collection of memory and, and releasing of memory. You might find that your application is slow to release, you know, wired memory, and then you can effectively, you know, uh, utilize all the memory on your instance, and then your instance just completely grinds to a halt. Um, so you would load test ahead of time to try and work out some of those spikes. Um, and then the other side of it is, is that as you make changes to your application, let's say, you know, um, I ask you, Alan, to build a new shopping cart for our e-commerce website. And then we might want to try to understand potentially what, performance impact that's going to have um, to maybe our users, but also to our server infrastructure. Um, well, I'll, I'll call it our web infrastructure because it's not just servers, but web infrastructure. Um, you know, has Alan accidentally, you know, caused an unknown performance regression where for some reason he's not scoped a database, you know, query correctly or something like that. You know, a really common, you know, human mistake that can happen. Uh, but how do you catch those regressions before you get to those critical points, you know, in your seasons, you know, your seasonality. Because we don't want to find out about that three minutes after the Black Friday deal's gone live, do we? We want to try and understand that ahead of time. So as part of your QA process, if you are building, I'll call them web systems, so API-driven, um, anything that uses effectively web requests, so API-driven experiences, um, more traditional web applications, um, you want to try and understand ahead of time um, how that that load does impact your your, your environment. Okay, cool. So, so just to sort of summarize <clears throat> from what I understood of it, um, you know, we're doing load tests against the application or APIs to uh, understand whether the current, you know, potentially even the current um, structure or infrastructure can can take that load as well as testing applications um, efficiency, I guess, when it's at load as well. And whether it, like you said, with memory and things like that, where it's, it's you know, releasing it in an in appropriate time. I guess this would kind of, um, from, from some scenarios as well, you kind of said Black Friday. I'm kind of thinking of um, things like in the in the UK, the 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 day when you find out when, which school your, your children are going to, and there's a mad, mad rush from everyone in the UK 
trying to find uh, you know, which school they're going to. And that's kind of a once a year thing as well. Um, and maybe even thinking about it, uh, potentially like when a new uh, NFT needs mining, that maybe there's a <laughs> maybe there's a load load test there or something like that. I mean, that's going um, slightly less uh, corporate, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't, it, and, and and it also doesn't need to be, you know, specific time, you know, load, you know, because no. you could just have you could have an application where you've just got like a high high number of daily active users. You know, you mm-hmm. might just have a really popular service, or conversely, you might be trying to run something on really small SKUs to save money. So yeah. for in, if you also think about it, like um, you think about burstable instances that have, you know, CPU credits that you burn and you regenerate over a given time, it might be that, you know, at 50 daily active users, it might not be spiky um, and it might be absolutely fine at 50 daily active users. But once you get to 75 daily active users, you might start to see your credits decrease and, you know, and basically um, go to zero. You know, you could run, you could exhaust all your credits. And what happens at that point is your instance become, it's like one tenth of the performance. You get like 0.1 V core or something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but so you don't ever want to exhaust your credits, but you want burstable because they're, well, you shouldn't really be using burstable in production, but you know, <laughs> startups, X, Y, Z. Um, so you might be trying to balance that as well. So, you know, it, it can also be because what we see a lot of is we see a lot of people over provisioning, you know, instances yeah. in Azure because they're still of the mindset of is I'm not going to change. I'm not going to scale this instance, you know, but, um, you know, in my past, I've worked with, um, startups that are, you know, cash strapped, you know, um, every, every, you know, pound you can save, um, is, is, is the way that they usually start. So, so if we can, if we could load test and prove to the business that we could support 20 daily active users with only the lowest D series, you know, instance as an example, then that's a, a net positive for the business and you just scale, you know, as you grow. So I guess this would also help with testing out your your configuration of um, the, the virtual machine scale sets if you're using IaaS at that point to um, to build you know, your back end or or maybe even front end, so they see that the scaling is doing it quick enough, or or even you know, um, making itself smaller um, within a, a reasonable time as well. Yeah, well, you can effectively target any you know web system that you've mm. got connectivity to, right? So it doesn't really matter what the underlying you know if it's um, you know PaaS or IaaS, it doesn't really matter. Um, and I just use those two examples because that is where you control the code, basically. Because usually these performance regressions um, happen by humans, right? So it's that's a lot of the time is you know incorrectly optimized, you know, caching or database calls or other independent systems or you know inefficient, you know, um, uh, processing and things like that. Uh, you can have like some systems that run um, background jobs. You could have a background job scheduler that you accidentally start running that background job scheduler on your web servers, not your, you know, your background server, right? You could, that could just regress. Um, and then you could find that at weird times of the day, like, you know, that that could then start to have a performance impact. So it's it's really starting to, 
you know, because there's so many variables when you're building software that it, it, you know, those regressions could come from anywhere. Cool. So, so do you see um, organizations um, do this all the time, do load testing, or do you think there's there's reasons for not doing? You know, is it too complicated to 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 do too much? You know, too t- um, time consuming things like that. I, I'm going to say the challenge for with any part of the software development lifecycle, it has to be justified as to why you know it should be included. You know, if you're running a really efficient process, you know, I've used the startup, you know, example, but even larger organizations have teams inside of them that act like startups, you know, bootstrapped teams inside of really large organizations that are given very little resource to innovate and to build because that's, you know, a very efficient way to build. You know, lots of people are trying to build a, you know, minimal viable product and iterate from there. Um, So what can sometimes happen is, is because load testing is, um, because load the orchestration of load testing is a challenge, you you can get you know um, ad hoc load testing happening, but then you're not getting this continuous load testing that's happening all the time looking for these. So any way that you can accelerate the integration of load testing into the development workflow is going to have a higher you know likelihood of actually being adopted. Cool. Okay. So. Th- yeah, thanks for the the overview of the sort of load balancing or load testing even sort of process. Um, so can you give us a high level of or you know, a high level overview of the uh, the features of Azure load testing? Okay, so as I mentioned uh, previously, um, the Azure load testing service is um, a fully managed testing service that is completely um, managed and um, operated uh, by Microsoft in Azure on your behalf. So there's there's two ways to configure it. I'll, I'll talk about the quick test way is you can effectively give it a, you can effectively give it a URL to load test. And then you, you tell it, I won't go into the actual specific settings, but you can tell it how many users you want, what you want the ramp up period, how long you want to test for those sort of metrics, you know, like, I want a, I want 50 users to hit this over an X period of time, basically. I want it to ramp up like this. I don't want, do I want all 50 to arrive at once or do I want them to, you know, come in every five seconds? You know, that that really dependent on, on your use case. And you can just um, really simply, you can just give it a single URL. You know, you can't chain together, but you can have a test for each URL if you wanted to. So you can have a test for each key API call in your application. Um, and that's a very simple, so it will go and do a URL like point test and it will give you the response times and latency figures, you know, for that specific URL, taking that one step further. And this is how it sort of integrates with a, an existing, you know, uh, product JMeter, um, Apache JMeter, you basically, you, you, you create a script, um, and out of the out the back end of JMeter, you create that script and then you can upload it into the load um, testing service. And then it will run through, that script effectively gives you, I'm really simplifying it now, but it gives you the steps that it's gonna go through. So I'm gonna hit, you know, web page one, web page two, API call three, API call four. Um, and it's gonna go through those steps and it's gonna measure the response time and the latency for each one of those uh, for you. Um, 
in in JMeter, you can also bring in CSV files with extra data to parameterize um, your your load testing. So you can bring in different data to populate with different calls and things like that. You can upload those CSV files in there and reference them. Um, you can upload um, plugins. There's JMeter plugins, which are um, um, jar binary uh, binary files. So they're like little Java applets, basically, that you can plug in that can be referenced in your script. So you can upload those as well. So if you've got JMeter plugins that you've developed or you're using somebody else's, that's also supported as well. Um, and, you know, it, it's... It's, I mean, there is ARM, so you can orchestrate, but it's it's all done in the portal. It's like click, 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 like really, you know, s- s- simplistic for you there. Then you can layer on. So you upload your script and you get ready to go sort of thing. Um, you you then get to pick your what your test criteria is. So you could say, you know, um, you could say something like... Um, I don't want the response time of any of my web calls to be more than a second, you know, from my API service. So forget the user's internet connection because this is like as close to the service as you can possibly get, right? We're not talking about transit time, you know, to the actual user. But what we're saying is, is you know, can the API react or, you know, the website web service API, can it react to me in under a second? You know, because you could say, actually, you know, um, for a good experience in my app, my users will wait three seconds, you know, so you could actually optimize for like a kind of a worst case if you wanted to. But if you wanted really high performance, you might say, actually, well, I, I want everything to return in 100 milliseconds. And you can do that. Um, and you can you can put some fancy like maths around that. And you can say things like, you know, when the you know, tell me when the worst one is over that or average the runs over a certain amount, you know, like take all of the web requests and then just average them out, get the mean or the median across that that number to, to actually whether it's a pass or a fail. It might be some are two seconds, some are half a second. And as long as the general user experience, so you can do things like that. Um, and, and what you can also do is you might need to pass secrets into that script you might need to pass environment variables, secrets. Um, you can define all of those hard-coded in the portal as, if you want, and you can also integrate it with a key vault. So you can give it a managed identity, the Azure load service a managed identity, and then use that for RBAC on a key vault. And you can bring those secrets in. Um, so you know the people that are operating the, you know the the load testing service don't need direct access to those secrets uh, if you want to keep that. Um, away from them, which is great. Um, you can also um, uh, test private endpoints with it by attaching it into a VNet. Um, there's a service tag for firewall rules um, in order to, um, to, to to let that in, which is very good to see. There's an RBAC model inside of the Azure load testing service as well, so you can um, delegate permissions um, to your team inside of that as well. Um, everything is um, custom, um, Microsoft manage um, encrypted um, throughout the whole process, but you can provide your own customer managed keys as well if that's a um, you know a, reg- a compliance re- requirement for your industry. Um, and then so the other part that you configure on the actual test itself is you say sort of um, the amount of engines that you want to run, you know how many. Um, 
basically how many threads you want to run at one time. You can basically configure that um, in a quite a detailed way. Um, so once you've done all that, you're sort of ready to, but when I say you've done all that, I have also talked about other things like VNet peering and, you know, bringing in secrets and things like that to, to, to get a simple JMeter script to run, you know, it is a few clicks. It's, it's relatively simple. What you do is you can then run that. Let's, let's just say for the, for the moment that you run that manually in the portal, what's great is you have the analytics and the dashboards that come out of the other side of it. So you get the the graphs which show you all of the output um, for, you know, what's your, you know, um, your average response time across, you know, what's your uh, P95 response time across all of your calls, um, you know, and, and you can see that as the, as the tests run through, because in theory, you could be running, you could be running hundreds of user tests here. So it might not be until the, like, the 40th user that you start to have issues. So you can then start to see, you know, how that load affects um, testing. But what I think is really important is you get the you get the raw output from the you know the the requests and the responses that you you know the requests that you've sent so the latency and the you know and response time um, you get that but then you can overlay um, server side metrics on those graphs as well and bring them into the analytics so you can bring in things like let's say your IaaS you could bring in you know the number of credits you've got left in your burstable instances. You could bring your CPU usage. Um, we've now got preview memory bytes, haven't we, for, for IaaS, right? Things like that. So you can bring those metrics in and overlay it on the same timeline as well. So you could watch your available memory dropping as you add more users. So that then you could say, well, we didn't exhaust all our memory. You know, maybe we didn't exhaust it, so we didn't hit garbage collection yet, right? Or how quickly it takes for garbage collection to kick in for .NET processes to release that memory over time as we've used it. So, you know, that is immensely powerful because you're seeing in, well, not in real time because you get the test result afterwards, but you can see the timeline of activity, which then relates to server resources um, on, on the other side of it. And I believe you can pull in basically any metric um, from you know, Azure monitor into that over that time period as well. So that's like really powerful. So the other part of that is as well, is then you can then compare test runs. So, you know, you've got test run A, let's say you're testing burstable instances. So you, you make that run, then let's say you flip your IaaS to the next burstable SKU or a completely different SKU. Maybe you change it to F series whatever you do, um, could then rerun your test and then look at the differences between those two test runs. You know, did, did adding more performance, you know, to certain parts of your application actually net your users more performance in real world applications? You know, traditional, you know, if you ran a load testing service locally, you'd get like an output. You might get a CSV, an X, XML file or an HTML report, but then comparing it against, you know, each other, that is a lot more challenging uh, to achieve. And the the, the last bit that I just want to talk about because we've talked talk for a long time about um, uh, features, but I just want to talk about DevOps integration because it's probably one of the key parts to it. Um, 
being able to add this into your DevOps pipeline for both GitHub and Azure DevOps pipelines. That's the way you say it, isn't it? Azure DevOps pipelines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got okay. Sorry, I just call them pipelines, so I just didn't remember the full name. But um, you can integrate this into your um, your DevOps um, CI/CD process. So you could, in theory, you know, um, you know, uh, reject a pull request that fails. Um, you know, your criteria for your tests in an automated fashion. So you don't have to trigger them manually. You can trigger them on, you know, if your pull request, of, you know, deploys to, you know, your staging environment or a development environment, or bring that up in your process and then test it with a Azure load testing service to make sure that you, you, you haven't regressed. Wow. I mean, it sounds insane how large this product is. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it's crazy. And it's it's good to see that you can use things like Keyvault and things like that to you know, keep the secrets. I'm guessing that you're talking about the metrics and things like that and getting them from, in effect, insights, I guess, from your IaaS um, per se, if it's what Azure Monitor and you know, VM um, metrics. VM insights, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, does that mean that to collect the, you know, the data that it, it, from the test, does it store it in Azure Monitor, do you know? Is that how it kind of stores that data? Or is I'm it just sure in the what, service? I'm not sure what the underlying, you know, um, services that stores it. My thought process is it's it's Azure Monitor with like, you know, like application insights is a layer on top of Azure Monitor. Mm. It, I think it, I, I'm guessing it's that with a custom okay. like solution on the top of it, to be totally honest yeah. with you. Okay. No, that's cool. Um, okay, so you mentioned it utilizes JMeter scripts. Uh, is that another product? Because I've never heard of that. Yeah, so JMeter is um, um, a solution as, that's part of the Apache Foundation. So it's an open source um, load testing application. So if you're currently utilizing JMeter, then this service is going to be pretty perfect for you. You know, you export your scripts. You might have to do a bit of configuration to bind to secrets and you know values and things yeah. like that, but but effectively you could keep your core um, JMeter scripts. Um, so Microsoft isn't building, you know the they haven't built a new way to run these tests. So you could still run your JMeter scripts locally, you know if you wanted to just you know um, because if you're a developer and you're running them locally on your machine, you probably know what good looks like on your local machine. You know if you've got a really powerful machine and you like you know, your average response time is 80 milliseconds locally, or maybe even less than that, a couple of milliseconds. And then you've, you make a code change and it's now suddenly two seconds. You know, you've potentially regressed. It might not be massively long, but as a percentage, you've regressed like a huge amount. Um, but just to quickly talk about JMeter, so it's a, it's a Java um, app. You can run it in two modes, um, like GUI and CLI mode. Uh, GUI is really where you would um, uh, define your test plans. You can also use a proxy inside of a web um, uh, a web browser to actually record um, steps that you would go through as well. So that's that's pretty powerful. So you can either do it manually or you can do it through that. Um, and then you could then you would save your JMeter script and then you would run it with the CLI. You don't run it with a GUI. Um, you run it with a CLI. And once you've run it um, out of the back end of it, you get a CSV, XML, or an HTML report. Um, that you can then use to show you 
you know um you can and and you can you can like integrate like a back-end listener to get real-time results as well uh, but it's all you know pretty manual um uh, from that perspective um you could also run it yourself you could build your own ci runner um you could have it on your own um infrastructure um it is a bit you do have to do a bit of configuration with for jmeter because it can utilize a lot of memory so there's like heap allocations that you have to think about and the infrastructure that you run it on um and the azure loaded testing service just completely takes that away basically you know you just upload it and it like deals with it <laughs> um it, it, it's it, it's it's pretty much as simple as that, uh, basically. Yeah. Okay. So running it locally, you know, you can do, but maybe uh, you can't. Maybe if you are testing, maybe thousands or hundreds of thousands of users hitting your application or service, um, maybe that might be slightly difficult to run locally unless you got like pools of servers to to run, you know, the the runners and things like that. Where yeah, you would have to provision your... that hardware, right? Yeah. yeah, and make sure it's sized yeah. correctly with the network that's required for it. Yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. But Azure testing, load testing is basically doing that for you. Just put, well, when we get onto pricing, it'll be you know you run it for uh, yeah for the test period kind of thing. Um, yeah, which probably probably ties us into um, yeah. What is the pricing? How how is it built? Okay, so there's a a per sort of a. I don't know what we call it. It's like a base cost. Is that the best way to explain it? You've got like a monthly cost for the service. Didn't we have this last episode with where you yep, had... Yeah, your firewall. Yeah. your firewall is like a standard price per month, isn't it? Just to like have the, you know, have, have it, the yep. service. Um, so yeah, so um, I'm going to do dollars because that is a little bit easier for a lot of people to understand. So um, to, to provision a load testing resource um, is $10 per month. Um, which isn't particularly expensive, which is great. Um, and that includes 50 virtual user hours per month. Okay. So let's talk about virtual user hours and what that is. So we could potentially run a load test of a number of virtual users, right? Because just testing like one user accessing a system isn't, might not be that great load testing, right? So we could send, so I use the example of a thousand virtual users. Yeah. And let's say over the course of a month, we ran, let's say each one of our tests was a minute long, right? For each of those. And then we ran 30 of them. Like we ran them, easy maths. We ran them every day for a month. You would then be charged for 500 virtual user hours because each one of those virtual users would use approximately 30 minutes a month to get you your 500 user hours. So we get 50 as part of the service. And then on top of that, you, you can then pay per virtual hour. Okay. And it's segmented in 10 second chunks. So they add up all the 10 seconds to work out your virtual user hours. So they, so the, the calculation is number of users that are simulated, the duration of the simulation in minutes, you know, down to every 10 seconds. So if your runs were like one second each, you know, you would lose out for that because the minimum time is, is 10 seconds. And then we just convert that into hours basically by dividing by 60. So if we just, if we just work that out, you know, you know, sort of on top of the eight or oh, the $10 per month, 
we get 50, don't we? So for, for those thousand users, if we take off the 50 that we've paid for, which is, um, so 500 minus 50 takes us down to 450. Simple maths, but I'm doing it in calculator to make it easy. <laughs> right, 450. And then we divide that, well, uh, times it as by 0 0.15 because it's 15 cents per hour. So that would cost $67. So plus the $10 for the month gets you to $77.5 for a month to simulate a thousand users doing 30 minutes of testing in a month. Okay. But see, you, but you don't bad. manage the infrastructure. Microsoft does all of that for you. And you get all of the benefit of being able to um, easily do the VNet, private endpoints, um, getting all the metrics out of the back end of it, analyzing those metrics. So it's not just really the actual, in, you know, because in theory, you're getting better value and features from the service on top of, on top of just actually testing, basically, as well. So $77 a month to do, you know, a thousand users using your application for 30 minutes a month. And, you know, your low test might not even last anywhere near that long. You might not even run tests every single time Time you do a, you might just have a CICD process that runs once every two weeks to do a load test for you. You know, you might not do it on every pull request if you don't want to. So you can tune it from that perspective. You know, you might say, okay, we'll do a, we'll do a benchmark run every two weeks, you know, and then we could just, we'll just, we could have a two week regression. Uh, but as long as we make sure we run a load test before Black Friday, we could be pretty safe in the knowledge that we haven't like, you know, screwed up and regressed on our performance. So you have complete control on the frequency and the duration that you run those tests on under as well. It, it, it kind of sounds like it's like no, like a no brainer in some sense that, you know, if you've got to build compute somewhere to do this testing, you know, potentially it could be Azure, it could be IaaS. If you're going to run, you know, the um, J meter locally there to run against it, it's going to even just your time to set it up and everything's going to cost you more than just uploading stuff into into the service and let it run and like you said it's all the integrations i think as well into devops you know if that's on premise not not necessarily devops on premise but your load testing solution you know it's how you then connect things like that you're in effect saying this is almost like one click connections kind of thing um i'm sure it's a little bit more than that but generally it's, it's gonna be sim yeah, simplified yeah and if you think about the infrastructure that's required as well and the orchestration of that infrastructure the management of it the mm. you know you know taking your focus away from your core efforts of actually developing software you know um this is you know in 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 my opinion if if you're happy with jmeter you know and and that requirement and also you know you might have um billing already set up in to, you know in azure it might be easy for you to adopt this system if you're already in the Azure world. It's not necessarily a, 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 a different contract with another vendor. You know, you could just sort of add it onto your Azure spend, get it, you know, because you might be paying, pay, you know, pay as you go anyway, right? So it might be relatively easy for you to get sign off 
because there's no new agreement that needs to be, you know, signed off from the business. And and actually, just thinking about it into in like you said about the management of it, you know, this service is you know in effect auto patch, etc., things like that. If you think about if you had a server wherever it was, you know. Uh, maybe it isn't patched all the time but maybe from a security perspective from the business it might be required to be up to date you'd need to fend off a server on it wouldn't you yeah or something similar yeah, yeah exactly and, a license and everything else yeah. yeah yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. so i mean it's not 77 dollars yeah. a month <laughs> but, <laughs> no but it's but, but it's once you add all the different things up yeah and i mean in some scenarios you might have a really you know bespoke test that you want to run this might not work for you so you might have to go down that route anyway but as a you know, a removal of barrier of entry, you know, you can't, it's, it's on a plate for you. Upload your JMeter script, make sure it works, bind it to some secrets and point it at what you want to test and, and, and crack on. Well, that, that's another point to it, isn't it? That even building your test load testing environment, this is spin it up, try it, sh- you know, shut it down if you need to, or, like you said, you'd have to build that whole infrastructure at all. To be, and multiple you know, load, you, you can have more than one load testing resource having different types of tests. You know, you could have one that, like a smaller one that runs every day, and then you could have a more intensive one that runs at the weekends or once a week or once every two weeks or once a month. You know, there's many different, it's still got the flexibility there uh, for you to, to achieve that. Cool. Okay. So, we kind of talked about it earlier and we kind of, I kind of brought it up as well about the DevOps integration kind of thing. So why, why, I guess we kind of talked about it a little bit, but why would we integrate it into that, into that process? So if your team is utilizing a, um, a DevOps CICD driven, you know, deployment methodology, and that's not the case for all teams, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to advocate, you know, I'm not going to talk about the advocation of that system, but if you are utilizing that, um, then you can integrate this system into uh, GitHub, GitHub and Azure DevOps pipelines. And effectively what happens is, is let's say Alan wants to commit some new code to the, to the main branch. So Alan wants to push some code to production. Um, what you can then do is Alan would open a pull request and maybe that pull request might be reviewed by me. Sorry, Alan, but I'm going to review your code. So I would go in and have a human test of, Alan's code. I check it for maybe, you know, syntax and best practice and you know, maybe give, you know, some some input on how how, you know, how it could be structured or changed. Um but for me to go off and then like run up in my environment, do a load test on it, you know, I I might just end up not doing that. I might skip that process. Um but with Azure load test, as soon as Alan, you know, says, "Hey Sam, here's a pull request. I want to commit some code to production." Azure load test can just spin up, you know, once the code is deployed, because you would deploy it to your staging environment, maybe, or your development environment, you know, as Alan does it, then after we've deployed it, might run some checks to make sure it's deployed correctly. And then we might run a load test on it because Alan wants to push to production. And so that process is completely automatic. And then inside of GitHub and Azure DevOps pipelines, we can then see the status of the results, you know, we can see the results that come out of the back of that test. So it can tell us, hey, Alan's, you know, code, sorry, Alan, I'm just using an example because I'm the yes, one talking okay. to you. Right. Uh, but Alan's, you know, Alan's, you know, um, 
the response time on Alan's, you know, um, code that he's just written has increased response times by 50%. You know, maybe that's now in a failing condition. So then maybe you've got to go back to the drawing board a little bit and try to identify, you know, uh, what's going on there. Okay, great. Yeah, okay. you definitely see that, you know, again, it's, it's adding like a value of automation in there. It's not subjective either, is it? Right? It's completely objective. It's like, you know, the response time was the mean, you know, the, the average response time before was 100 milliseconds, and now it's now 500 milliseconds. So you, you might want to understand that. You keep all those results, and then you can go back to them in the, in the future as well to look out where the regression actually happened. You know, so maybe our maybe our gate was, you know, um, one second, a thousand milliseconds. So maybe, you know, commit one was a hundred milliseconds. The next commit was 500 milliseconds. And then the next commit was one point, you know, 1,200 milliseconds, 1.2 seconds. We can show the, you know, the, the, the iteration of that regression over time as well. So then you could go back and go, right. Okay. We're going to do a hot fix to commit, you know, a, B, C, D, E, F, which was committed by Sam because Alan bumped it by 100 milliseconds, but then Sam bumped it by 700 milliseconds. So we'll go and prioritize Sam's code fix and try and see if we can optimize that, um, you know, uh, to, to bring our, and effectively to bring our Azure spend down, right? Because if you have to vertically scale or even horizontally or vertically scale, you're going to be spending more money. Yeah. So it's also imperative that the solutions that you build on are well architected um, on top of not just well architected in Azure, I suppose, but well architected from a pro, you know, a software perspective, a programming perspective. So, you know, and, and this is validation of that. Yeah, definitely. And I guess it's also um, gives you some context if you were doing that pull request, because I guess it either you know, declines it instantly or at least gives some more context that there's a problem somewhere for you to maybe hunt more in the code to see understand why you're getting this well you you, you can see in the pull request what changed so yeah. something in the pull request or something in the infrastructure must have changed you know for that to happen yeah okay so what is so what's the typical process for identifying bottlenecks okay so let's let's take a really simple example right because there's many different technologies you can bring in to um optimize the performance you know of you know caching being one of them um so so let's say we've got um, um a web application that interfaces with a database right so once you log in it goes to the database to retrieve your user profile that's the sort of the simplest process that i can think of at the moment so you log in and you retrieve your user profile now let's say that um, let's say that user profile call. So the call to get the user profile. So you call the API, which then runs a query in the database to return the data. Really simple, no caching involved, just straight to database and back. Probably the most simplest web application. Um, let's say that user profile, you start to become slow. Maybe we've added more data into the user profile. Maybe now we're returning the user's profile picture. Um, maybe we've expanded it out. We've included all their hobbies and their interests, you know, and what they like to eat and all of those different things. And maybe that's starting to slow that cool down. So we might be trying to identify what part of the stack is causing that issue. 
because it could be network transfer to the user. You know, let's say you're downloading the photo and it's the photo is 40 megabytes. You know, that could be a slow transfer down to the front end, couldn't it? It could be the web server. It might have to do some processing on the fly on your profile, which is slowing it down when lots of people access it. Maybe the web server is running out of memory. Um, and then there's also the database layer because we've got to communicate from the web server to the database layer and then all the way back again to the client. So maybe that query that we run in the database is just too heavy now for the resources that are in the database. So we could run a load test. So we could run, you know, a thousand users, you know, add a new user every five seconds, um, you know, to go and grab their user profiles. And we could watch it potentially degrade over time. Now, let's say you're in a, you know, in a sticky situation. It's a, you know, a not a Friday night because we don't deploy on Friday nights. Thursday night before Black Friday. And even before that, you know, actually, let's, let's, let's bring it back. Let's talk about more breast practice. What you might want to say is if we do have a surge in performance, you know, in, sorry, a surge in traffic, how could we react at that time to that surge in traffic? You know, could we go from, you know, uh, B1s to B4s, for instance, in order to cope with that traffic, you know, maybe scale up, um, ahead of time so you know like if i if i went up a skew in azure would i get twice the performance if i did that maybe you're trying to work out you know that performance characteristic you could run a load test at b1 run a load test at b2 then b4 and see how your app see whether your application changes on your, your your web server and it might not it might just be exactly the same so you might say okay for for a thousand users i don't need to scale my web servers but you might start to see, you might use DTUs for your, your databases. I think we've done an episode on DTUs and databases, I want to say. We, we've talked about DTUs, yeah. We have. Or, I'm sure we so did in one of point. them. Go back and find that episode. I can't remember what it is. Um, but not you, Alan, whoever's listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so let's say what you want to do is let's say you're at 100 DTUs, just as an example. You might run a test to then say, what happens if I update, you know, upgraded my DTUs to 200 DTUs? Would I get twice as much performance? So you could sort of have that in the back of your, you know, you could have that, you know, performance characteristic, you know, as part of your documentation, maybe that maybe before Black Friday, we go to 400 DTUs and we take a little bit of an extra hit on cost just to know we've got like a huge amount of headroom just in case marketing and sales do a, you know, a really good job and get more people than anticipated to our product pages. So, and we can compare all those loads, as I've spoken about before, we compare all those load tests together, which really is powerful because you can see those performance characteristics change, change. And I've seen people blindly vertically scale and even horizontally scale and try and, you know, go, oh, how can I make this faster? Because sometimes those performance regressions happen at the worst times. And you want to be having that conversation weeks before your event that's coming up, you know, and, and the load testing service is going to help you to accelerate that process internally. Wow. Okay, cool. Okay. So we're coming probably to the end of our, of our episode, because we've got quite a lot, we've covered quite a lot in this. Is there anything you, you think, anything else you want to add to it? I don't think so. I think if you're a um, you're part of a development team, 
um, and you currently use your own sort of hack together load testing service or you don't use load testing at all at the moment, um, definitely check out Azure load testing if you're if you've got like a web application because um, it could really help accelerate that part for you. Cool. And I don't think we've done an episode on Azure SQL. Have Out we of not? our 46 episodes, we've not done one. We've talked about DTUs, I'm sure we I'm have. I'm sure we have, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've okay. just quickly ran through and looked, <laughs> Thanks, at, our, I looked at them. But, um, Thanks, Alan. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that, that's that's wrapped up for me. Um, Alan, what's the next episode that we're going to cover? So we're going to talk about Windows 365. Um, so this kind of ties into Azure Vetch Desktop. One of the episodes we did... Uh, I think it was end of last season, maybe. Oh, I can't remember. So many. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Windows 365. We're going to talk about the uh, what it is and benefits of it, uh, use cases, as well as the, the SKUs for it, because there's quite a few sort of business, enterprise, and this new one that's come out recently, Frontline. So, yeah, we'll talk about those and sort of the use cases, as well as some comparison against Azure Vetch Desktop, I think, um, okay, when great. to use either side. So, yeah, yeah, I know that um, decision making for, you know, organizations can be, uh, I'm going to say challenging to work out, you know, the, the, the differences between the two. So, yeah, it'd be very interesting to get your thoughts on that. So if you've enjoyed this episode, um, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. We have many more topics that we'd like to cover and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability for you to give some feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? Disagree with our thoughts, or did we miss something? Um, please use the form on our in our sh- in the show notes to our website um, to send us a message, or you can give us a voice message in the bottom right corner of our site. So we'd love to hear from you. Great, thanks very much, Alan, for your time, and um, I'll catch you guys on the next one. Yep, yeah, thanks everyone. Cheers, bye.